this is Adam Richards, and you're listening to the House of Alchemy feature on the Foxy Podcast.
welcome to the Foxy Podcast, bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, and here in the Foxy Podcast we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds in the past and present. And on this edition of the podcast show, we're going to be speaking with Adam Richards, who runs the House of Alchemy label out of Buffalo, New York, with his wife, Catherine Started in 2006, House of Alchemy has been an active player in the vast network of underground music micro-labels, documenting a wide range of experimental and DIY sounds from both a regional and international level. And Adam has also contributed to this network of labels through his own musical projects, such as Chapels and The Circle and the Point. So we're going to be chatting with Adam to get more background on the label, about his own music. We're also going to try to squeeze in as much music as possible from the House of Alchemy label. Do as much as we can here in the next two hours, including some tracks from some forthcoming releases that Adam had provided for us. So before we get into our interview with Adam, I'm going to start things off here by playing something from this Mama Bear CDR release that came out last year. I 
time, so I never find to cry. I'm so lonely. It's not easy. I can never find the time, so I never find to cry. So To start off with, I just wanted to ask you just some general background on on House of Alchemy. I know the label started in 2006 or so. You know, what were some of yep. your initial motivations for starting up the label at that time? Well, it was, it was actually something I'd been thinking about for a, a while before that. It actually probably goes back to 2003, maybe. Um, I was living in Syracuse at the time. Um, I live in Buffalo now, and... Um, I had a band I was playing in, a loose group of people, and we'd sort of been thinking about, you know, what we might do with some of the recordings we were doing, and, you know, nothing really came of it. And then I was in Buffalo, and um, I guess I was just seeing and buying things from more and more of these labels and uh, having friends that were sort of working in these realms, and I just thought, you know, well, maybe I could give it a go and I had friends that had these great bands that were recording this music and I thought well I would uh, love to do something to get some of this out there and uh, through the you know the support of my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife and uh, these these friends and these bands and some other friends I just thought I'd give it a go and it was just um, kind of done on a whim bought a, a CD burner and had a few leases lined up and we just sort of went for it and uh it's just kind of gone on from there well i remember that you had actually contributed to foxy digitalis for a period of time and i and i think it was maybe around the time that the label was getting off the ground and running so i was wondering you know was writing about some of the fringe music that appeared in the pages of that webzine you know, and being exposed to so many micro labels in that role also something that fueled what you were doing with House of Alchemy. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, one of the people that was one of our first, our biggest supporters to begin with was was Brad Rose and and Brad and Eden at Fox Digitalis. Um, before I was writing for them, and I only I probably only wrote a handful of reviews, um, but. Um, I was buying a lot of things from them and we were corresponding via email and, uh, you know, they were a really strong model of how maybe I could pull something off, you know, even a fraction of 
what they were doing, you know, just sort of with the people I knew and, uh, you know, our, our, our friends and just sort of sending out some emails and selling a few CDs here and there. Um, that was a, that was a huge thing. Um, being exposed to all the labels that, uh, they were talking about and that I was reviewing, um, that was, that was huge. Um, the, the, probably one of the other contributing factors was the year before we started the label, um, myself and a few of my friends went to Terrastock 6 in Providence, and there were just bands from everywhere, and there were just all these people that had just had these homemade, handmade CDRs, you know, um, Music Your Mind Will Love You, Brothers They Called Sisterhood, um, and Last Visible Dog, and Time Lag, and Matt Valentine, and all these people were there, and we just saw, you know, how amazing and how fascinating it was with these, these handmade creations, and... You know, not that it made it seem like it would be easy for me to do, but it made it seem like a fact could aspire to try and at least do to, you know, a certain level and came home from that and was just definitely really made it seem like what I'd been thinking about for a while was something that I should definitely at least give a try to, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you had, you had mentioned that, you know, it was sort of your wife at, or at the time girlfriend's encouragement that kind of helped you get going with House of Alchemy. And I know that she has also played kind of an integral part in, in the House of Alchemy story beyond that. So could you describe her involvement in the label over the years, even to this day? Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from, I mean, the, the most important part has probably been the uh, the sort of kick in the butt to just actually do it, you know, just <laughs> suck it up and go do <laughs> it. Right. And that was what really got it going. But um, her... her um, aesthetic contributions as far as package design. Um, you know, when we first started out, we did a lot of handmade packaging. One of the first releases we did was um, by the group VXPXC, and we did these hand-sewn pouches of burlap that were ink-stamped, and we sat in our living room in our apartment and, you know, stitching all these burlap pouches together. And, um, you know, so she definitely brought a, a very creative aspect to the packaging of it and which continues to this day and um that made it kind of fun and also monotonous at times but um but very very interesting and intriguing and um you know something that i had been thinking about and she sort of just gave me the courage to go do and um along with the support of you know one that released the vxpxc um a great group of guys and one of them is Grant Capes, who's one of my oldest friends, and uh, he has definitely been uh, probably almost as integral as my wife in getting the label going and getting us sort of the gusto to go and do it and uh, provided us with a lot of great releases and a lot of great uh, connections with great friends, and uh, that that really got us going. It was basically that and um, our first... uh, Antique Brothers release, and that's where we decided to just start a label and put this stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Well, from a, a micro-label standpoint, what have been some changes, you know, be it technological or otherwise, that you've witnessed or that you've encountered over the years in running the label that have that have both helped you and maybe on the flip side of that have have hindered you in, in, in a, like a purely operational sense? That might be a really convoluted question, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, just... no, no, it's actually a pretty spot-on question. Um, 
you know, when we first started out with those first few releases, there was those two I mentioned, and then we did a, a compilation, and we really, we started it off bare bones. Um, I had a desktop computer that didn't even have a CD burner in it, so I went to Best Buy and used the last, like, you know, $100 on my credit card to buy an external CD burner <laughs> and, you know, um, the cables and whatnot. I ordered some CDs online, and... You know, we burned them one at a time, 15 minutes a, a shot, and, uh, you know, for a couple hundred CDs and got them going. And, but I mean, you know, that was, that was great. That's, that's what we were doing. And, you know, things have certainly picked up since then. Um, but we've, we've always, I guess, not out of necessarily choice, but out of no choice, you know, things have been done pretty bare bones. And through things being done bare bones, you know, there are definitely, uh, you know, you got tape decks dying and, you know, CD players and replacing their good, make good masters and whatnot. Um, I guess it's just, a, it's a constant struggle. You know, I mean, you know, we were, uh, looking towards doing, you know, pro duplications and whatnot, but, uh, which is a great option to have. I think the fact that there are so many labels out there that there are, uh, duplicators that, are stepping up that can that can do it. You can really get a high quality job done, and that's the uh, I think the direction that we're we're going in, um, which is quite different from you know six or seven years ago sitting in my living room, you know, doing one tape at a time. So <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question or not. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I guess on those lo- along those lines, you know, with this latest Sheldon Seagal tape, uh, there was a download code provided uh, from their Bandcamp. And I was wondering, yeah. do you have any intention of making a making House of Alchemy releases available digitally through some sort of outlet like Bandcamp in the future? I have I've certainly thought about it. Um, they came to me with that, um, and I was totally happy to go along with that. They just, you know, they were thinking that, you know, the tape was great, but, you know, when you're listening to the masters, they thought that, you know, it'd be great to offer people something to have something that is crisp and clear and may not have some tape hiss if they want to have the option to listen to that. And so they actually came up with that all on their own and they handled all that, which I thought was great. And um, so we slipped in the download codes and I'm, I'm totally for that. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that if we're going to do it, that um, as far as other releases on the label that, you know, the artists are, are in on it too and then they will be able to you know, get the, the proceeds from it and they're okay with offering it. And it's, you know, it's probably a, it's a decent undertaking to get started, but once we have it going, it would probably be fine. It just, there hasn't been the free time to get it going. I would definitely love to do it. And I have considered doing it with, uh, you know, the chapels releases too, that are, that are out of print just so people have access to it because there has been, you know, re- requests for the stuff after the tapes are gone or CDs. And mm-hmm. I would definitely like to make all that, all those things available. Well, I, I was going to play a track here actually from that uh, Sheldon Seagal tape, and this is um, this is pretty damn epic for <laughs> for, for a tape. I mean, um, where did you discover the group, and I guess what made you want to put out this live tape of theirs? I I came across them um, maybe two years ago. They they put out a, a split LP with um, another group. I had never heard of either group. I, I I imagine that maybe I heard a track from one of the sides on, you know, WFMU or something, and uh, it was very fascinating with this other group called... Um, was it Rosin? Raisin. And, yeah. Um, Rosin, yeah. And the whole thing is just absolutely fascinating, and uh, I sent one, 
you know, sent them an email and we went back and forth. They sent me some CDs and I just, you know, was blown away by everything they were doing. And we've been back and forth on putting something out with them for probably the better part of a year and a half now. And things finally came together and, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier with it. Um, they're just a, a powerhouse in this tape. I mean, it's the, the longest tape we've ever put out. It's longer than 80 minutes. It's <laughs> sort of a, uh, a survey of a tour they did and it's just nonstop uh, ferocious yeah, <laughs> I guess. You know, they're absolutely. they're they're just they're just on point the whole time through. Yeah, well let's um play an excerpt from the opening cut. It's called Gothenburg and this is uh, Sheldon Siegel.
Having done the the label for a while now, what has been the most gratifying part of just operating the label? And then, I guess as a follow up to that, what has kept you inspired to just keep it going over the years? Uh, well, I mean, not to sound cliche, but you know, the music and and I guess the, the people. You know, it's been uh, I, I can't think of anything else that I can say that I've done. It's been more gratifying than interacting with all of these people that we've worked with over these years in the label and they've just been just these people that have been a, a constant and an influence for the label and an influence for my music and just it's almost like they're uh you know they're they're it's, it's something to rise up to you know to make sure that we're we're doing well by them and and the music itself is just fascinating and uh, you know, sometimes we do the artwork, sometimes they provide the artwork and just seeing what they provide and then just seeing what we can come up with to hopefully make them happy that goes along with their music. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's always gratifying and fulfilling and sometimes it's stressful because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm behind the ball a little bit and, you know, maybe a little behind, but uh, it's, it's, it's always been just such a, satisfying experience to just know that to put these things out there and have you know some people email me and say this is just outstanding or to hear it played on somebody's show or you know seeing positive reviews are nice but even just hearing someone just 
shoot me an email and say, this is, I didn't know who these guys were and this is amazing. And, uh, I'm glad that I can help them hear them. You know, right, right. um, that's very fulfilling. I do want to pick up on that idea that you mentioned, you know, like seeing reviews and, and getting things played. I was wondering, you know, there are so many people that are starting tape labels and these very small edition vinyl imprints, what have you. Do you feel that like the level of coverage and this sort of little section of the underground um, is sort of lagging behind in some sense that there's just not enough outlets of people, you know, covering this music or do you feel differently? I I, I mean, I definitely feel that there's a lot of people out there, you know, doing, uh, you know, there's a lot of labels out there. There's a lot of groups out there. Um, I don't know that's a bad thing. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the venues that are out there that pay attention to this stuff. And, um, you know, I mean, we're not obviously doing it for the reviews. And when we get a good review, I don't feel as much so good for myself as I do for the person that put the tape out. I want to, like, just be like, what, you know, someone gets it. They loved it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to send that along, you know. Um, so, I mean, there definitely, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff for people to consider, you know, if you've got a radio show or a, a blog or a website or a magazine, there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of material out there. Um, and yeah, you could, um, feel lost for a little bit, but I, you know, overall I think it's good. And I think that, um, you know, there, there are people that definitely have their, their ear to the ground and, you know, if they, if they can spare a few good words about something, that's great. Um, you know, that's not the main reason we're doing it, but, I think it's it, it it helps support the artist, you know, to hear that it's appreciated. And um, I don't know, yeah, there's there, there's definitely a ton of labels, but I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think it's just more people realizing that they can they can get get their sounds out there. And uh, I guess maybe if anything, it makes it harder for the <laughs> the reviewers and the people that have the radio shows, you know, to sort through everything. But uh, you know, I don't think more is a bad thing. Well, one thing I, I notice about y- your label, and and you've kind of alluded to this in some of your previous responses, is that you know th- this idea of a relationship with the artist and the importance of that. And I I've kind of noticed within your catalog that you do kind of have this consistent roster of artists that you've tried to work with, you know, repeatedly. And I was just wondering, mm-hmm. is that is that something? You know, it's like I can tell that you're not going for this sort of like flavor of the month band or sound or something that there is something that you're trying to cultivate, you know, long-term that there's a picture there that you're trying to create for the label. Am I, am I wrong in, 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 uh, in my assessment? No, there? Not, a, not at all. Um, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, as much as I'm totally open to working with new people that, uh, you know, just come to me out of the that field and that stuff is just, fascinating and amazing but you know we're still working with people that we've been working with since day one um and I, I, that's the kind of thing i, I feel uh i guess a, you know just a connection with them not only because we're friends but because i thoroughly enjoy the the projects that they're working on and that's you know it that's how we want to keep keep going i mean like we started like I said, you know, one of the, the basically reasons we started was um, the, one of the first releases we did, the XPXC, which is a friend of mine, Grant Capes, and they're, you know, two other great guys in that band too, um, Justin and Tim, and 
I, you know, we just, I just wanted to be able to put something out by them. I mean, they already had a few things of theirs out, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I want to keep doing multiple releases by multiple people. You know, we did, um, we had two things with Jeremy Kelly. We have another thing coming out later this year with him. Um, Clay Cantrell, we're doing another thing with Chris Dad. We're doing another thing with, um, you know, uh, the, the Albany scene, Eric and Ray and uh, Jackson, Burn, we've done a Burnt Hills and uh, Rambutan and Fossils from the Sun, you know, and Stone Baby we've done two releases with. Um, we just, we love that, those people and we love those sounds and we will just keep, I, I want to have 10 releases by all of them, you know, mm-hmm. out at some point in time. Um, that's, that's basically why we started and if we can get other new things that, um, are fresh and interesting we didn't know about that just makes it even better you know mm-hmm. well i'm actually gonna play a couple more tracks here from the house of alchemy catalog and a nice segue we have something here from jeremy kelly this was a split that you guys did i want to say it came out two years ago though i could be wrong maybe early last yeah, year that, that sounds about right i'm a little rusty on it but that sounds about right yeah i'm gonna play and this is him doing you know he he kind of does a lot of different things but this year's kind of uh acoustic guitar straight ahead kind of wobbly acoustic mm-hmm. guitar sounds that he had done and uh you kind of uh, he's a jack of all trades <laughs> yeah, now your side is kind of interesting too because you I, and i have to recall you do some kind of acoustic playing as well but mix it in with uh some loops and things like that as well yeah um you know with that with uh, we this kind of an unofficial split series i was just trying to do with um friends of mine, so we did it with him, we did it with uh, Stone Baby, and with Gown, and with um, Randy Pan, and um, I tried to go into it, recording my side, thinking about doing it with them, but without having listened to any of their their contributions ahead of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess I just sort of thought about the guitar thing on my side for, for Jeremy, but he just, you know, he came, I mean, he came back with just so much just stuff that was so great, and... Um, but yeah, that definitely got me thinking about trying to do a little bit of guitar stuff. Well, let's uh, hear Jeremy uh, Kelly here. This is a track called Fields from that split with Chapels. Thank you. 
can you sort of trace the arc of your own musical projects in relation to, to the label, I guess? Um, if I remember correctly, it was the circle and the point came first. And then you know, later on, you had started chapels, your, your solo project. Is that, is that correct? Um, yes. Um, I circle and the point, it, it all it actually ties back to stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, that is a duo with myself and grand capes. And, uh, I talked about earlier about how we went to Parasoc six and he had come in from, LA and spent the the week with us out east here and we just had a few days uh you know just kind of hanging out afterwards and you know we'd recorded together previously but nothing that uh nothing very substantial and we we spent a couple days just sort of hanging out and drinking a few beers and recording and it, it turned into basically what was the first circle in the point recording which was I don't know in the first uh five or six releases I think we put out um and, you know, we're, we're, we're bi-coastal, so we don't get a chance to record together too often, but when we do, it's, it's great. We, we've got a, a pretty decent backlog of duo recordings. We played a few shows back in 2007, and um, we actually just recorded a few days earlier this year, and that was really a big impetus for me for diving a little bit deeper into some of my own music. I mean, I'd been recording solo since the early 2000s and you know thinking about it even longer than that but after actually doing some serious recording with Grant and uh just sort of figuring some things out um it, it got me into working on some stuff at home and this was probably 2006 2007 and I started just doing some record some very loose recordings and uh pouring through it trying to edit some stuff together and uh it really just sort of gave me the uh, the inspiration and the, the confidence to step ahead and put some of that stuff out there. And so I sent a few things out and self-released a few things, and it's just sort of gone on since then. Well, did your, I guess, initial impulse to, to create music come out of being interested in like noise music or underground experimental music? I mean, are, were you, did you pick up an instrument and, and have training and things like that at an earlier age? Well, I mean, I've, I've been playing music in some degree or another since I was, you know, 15 or 16. Um, and I started playing around with things, um, I guess in college, just sort of just seeing how things sounded and what things did based on music I was listening to. Um, and then it was when I, in you know 2001, 2002. I was living in Syracuse, and uh, the roommates that I had, we had a, a very loose band, and we it was a very free form, just sort of uh, cathartic um, <laughs> jam sessions, I guess you know. But uh, they were they were phenomenal, and just sort of uh, was a way to see how things sounded. And before that, I was playing with Grant even before that, actually. Um, he and I lived together for a, a little bit of time, and uh, he really got me to sort of open up and just start playing and trying things. And uh, then with the other people I was playing with, it was just, uh, just sort of giving it a go. And then I moved to Buffalo in 2003, back to Buffalo, and kind of was just recording things on tape by myself very you know, here and there, and um, I sort of started to edit some things together and get some ideas, but I didn't really do anything with it until a few a few years later, basically. Um, 
I guess it just was, it was sort of a hobby more than anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to give it a go, I guess, once the label was going and I thought, well, uh, well, we'll see if anyone <laughs> wants to listen to this. <laughs> right. Well, you know, thinking back to the, to those early efforts as, as chapels now, just focusing on your solo work, you know, how do you feel your music has evolved, I guess, uh, you know, when you listen to those recordings um, as to like the instrumentation and in the, in the, the certain direction you're heading with the project right now? I mean, it's definitely evolved. Actually, just last weekend, I was digging through some stuff in the studio, and I put out a anonymous tape that just had a number written on it, and I was listening to it. And it was uh, after listening to it for 20 minutes, I realized it was some of the very first recordings I made at my old apartment here in Buffalo. That was, I guess, would probably be the beginning of chapels type stuff. Um, and it was very interesting to listen to, and I had you know, just the barest instrumentation and, you know, like a, a pedal or two and a, a banjo and a Casio, and, you know, and some tape loops. And um, so I think, you know, I've, I've got a little bit more equipment and I think I've just got to think, if anything, what's evolved the most is just what I've done and what I can do and want to do, you know, as far as whether it's the tape loops or the layering or just editing, um, you know, I've sampled myself many times over and I guess it's just, it just evolves into the, I don't know, I guess how to, how to keep things clean and neat and, uh, still sort of have that, um, distant sound I'm going for, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've always thought, but, of you know, I've, I've definitely spent some more time with, with editing and with, uh, clearing away a little bit of the tapis and uh, whatnot. Mm-hmm. I've always thought of chapels as having this sort of creepy, like, room sound to it. I mean, do you do you mic the, like, when you're recording, are you miking the room? Because there's this weird, not on all chapels tracks, but on a lot of them, there's this very creepy, like, field recording sound to it. Yeah, well, I, I definitely mic the room. Um, and sometimes I'll do, um, you know, I'm... I'm have different recording devices going and see which one sort of sounds the best um, for what I want to pull off. Um, where I've been recording for the last six years or so is in my attic in our house, and it has these huge 20-foot vaulted ceilings, and um, it's not insulated and anything like that, so it's very open and sort of, uh, I don't know, drafty <laughs> sounding, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's that's my space where I have all of my gear, and um, you know, it's sometimes it doesn't necessarily work to my benefit, but I I like it for the most part, and I like the the open echoey sound of it. Um, that's definitely something I I, I like to have in, included in the sound. So, well, let's uh, let's play a chapel's track right now, and then come back and talk a bit more about like what you have planned for House of Alchemy and, and I guess your own projects. I'm going to play something that uh, another one of the splits and I'm guessing this would have been also part of that series because the packaging is similar. This is the one with uh, Parashi, which another uh, upstate New Yorker, Mike Griffin. But I'm going to play uh, one of the intro track that you had called uh, Blood Cure. And and again, here we go. This has some of that uh, echoey creep factor (laughs) of uh, chapels that I was mentioning. (laughs) All right, well, let's uh, let's jump into it again. This is chapels with Blood Cure.
right. Well, just uh, to to kind of wrap things up for for the show, I wanted to ask, uh, what what do you kind of have in the works for House of Alchemy uh, in the months ahead? You had kind of mentioned a few things: this uh, Clay Cantrell tape and a Chris Dadge tape. Um, anything else that you can mention uh, in terms of both the label side of things and then maybe your own work? Um, yes, yes, we have those. Those two are are pretty much next in line. Um, it's something with uh, a project called Liquor, which is John Schoen from Pengo Regional here, based out of uh, Rochester, an amazing project. He had him out here last summer to perform a, a set with a, just an amazing show, and his set was amazing. I'm definitely looking forward to his release. We have a, a cassette with Ludo Meech, who's a filmmaker and a sound artist, and uh, that should be coming out this summer as well. And let's see, Jeremy Kelly, who I mentioned before we worked with, we have something come out with him. And uh, Circle on the Point, uh, my project with Grand Capes, we have something coming out. Uh, there, you know, there's a, there's a number of other things in the works, um, but that, that's that's pretty much what's next on deck. How about for your own, uh, pro- like for chapels? Or do you have any? Do you um, have anything slated for your label or others that you can speak of at this stage of the game, or? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually um, in the in the middle. Unfortunately, in the middle of a couple different, uh, like five different things, I'm trying to finish up, and just not enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a, a House of Alchemy tape. Um, I'm just in the finishing touches on a tape for Obsolete Units. Um, there's uh, another one on Lack of Who, which is a new label out of, or I think relatively new, out of Montreal. Um, there's something else. For Cesura, uh, which is a label out of Rochester, my friends uh, Corey Card and uh, Jen Marcotte, they record as Stone Baby as well. I've been sort of meticulously trying to get something together for them. I've been putting a lot of attention on it, and uh, their label is absolutely amazing. And there's a label, uh, Rejecting Fate, out of the UK that I'm working on a chapel's release for, too. It's just uh, a matter of getting it all organized and getting it together, I guess, at this point. Well, I'm actually uh, for this last set. I am. Um, I'm going to play some of the forthcoming stuff you had that you had provided, and, and thanks for doing that. I want to start off here with this uh, Clay Cantrell track because actually the the tape that you had put out from him last year um, really caught me off guard. Phenomenal release, and just the the couple of tracks you provided here really kind of fall in line with that. And what's his story again? I mean, he he's from Tennessee, if I remember correctly, but. Uh, amazing yeah. songwriter and just just doing some incredible work. I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, it was it was really funny. Um, I got a uh, an out of the blue demo email, and uh, I don't. Remember, it was you know probably two years ago now, maybe a little bit longer. And you know, I I definitely look at all the emails I get and listen to everybody and whatnot. But I mean, you know, we, we're usually at this point, you know, we're pretty. We're you know we're usually booked up a year ahead of any given point in time and um, but I'd gotten his email and I was at work one morning and was kind of groggy and uh, just pulled it up I, I think it was some some SoundCloud uh, tracks and I just started playing them and I was just blown away and I never I didn't know who he was I didn't know anything about him and I sat and listened to these tracks over and over again and I emailed him back and I was just like this is fantastic like let's do this you know like i don't you know i'm 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 scheduled in i'm i'm busy but let's make this happen and 
it took a little while, and uh, he was very patient, and I appreciate that. And uh, we got it out, and then um, last fall, um, once his tape was finally out, he sent me some new stuff, and I just said, "Yeah, let's do it again. This is this is fantastic." And that's you know the, the stuff I sent you, and it's he, he's amazing. He's, uh, I couldn't be happier to be putting this stuff out. Yeah, this is phenomenal uh, songwriter. So let's um, let's play this. And if if I have it correct, uh, the the name of the cassette is going to be High on the Gallows. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna play a track uh, again from Clay Cantrell. This is uh, Passion Play. Oh, oh, oh. 
wrap up the show here with this forthcoming track from Chapels, which of course is Adam's project. And I want to thank Adam for taking the time to chat with us this week and follow the links and check out the stuff from House of Alchemy. Lots of great stuff in their catalog. And check back with us in a few weeks when we kind of pulling out a bunch of new music and playing sort of a straight-ahead show. If you have any questions for me in the meantime, you can shoot me an email at fffreakout at hotmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>